You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> hey guys, before the episode starts, Cindy wants you to know about a new six-week online class that she has going. It starts September 14th and runs through October 19th. It's called Compelled to Change. Registration begins August 1st. Go visit cindy-stewart.com to get registered today. You will receive recorded teachings, weekly worksheets, weekly live coaching, bonus interactions with Q&A, prophetic solutions, and much, much more. Plus, every registration comes with a free download of her book, God's Dream for Your Life. Through this class, she wants to help others clarify their vision and develop a plan to live the life they dream about. For more information on how you can get registered starting August 1st, visit cindy-stewart.com or follow the link in the show notes. Thanks so much. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. message that the Lord gave me about uh, correction, contending, and conquering. He gave it to me the first of August, and then I just forgot it. Have you, has God ever given you something, and then you just forget what he gave you? Right. <laughs> I have done that more than once. That wasn't the first time, but I was looking back. I was sitting at the park yesterday by the water, by the ocean, and I was looking through my journal. I thought, I'm just going to take my journal with me, and I'm looking through it, and I looked on August 1st, and I was like, Hey, that's what I'm preaching on tomorrow. He's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know it just takes a while to stew inside you. You know, sometimes what God gives you, it has to stew inside you before it comes out of you. Yeah. Right. Yes. So we're going to talk a little bit about how we're going to correct, contend and conquer. And it's it's this is what we do. It's what we do all the time. We just may not have it that way. Um so we're going to start in 2 Chronicles 29. We're going to cover a lot of scripture. Noah has it up there for you. We're going to cover a lot of scripture. And like I said, we'll do what we can get done today until we feel like uh, God says stop. And then if we have some left over, we'll work on it next week. But what I really want to talk about is this uh, first is this time of correction. And we're talking about Hezekiah in Second uh, Chronicles 29. And this, this uh, life of Hezekiah is covered in Second Kings uh, 17 plus. It's covered in Second Chronicles 29. It's also covered in Isaiah. So there's a great crossover. And I've spent a lot of time just kind of praying over and doing some research. Um, but let's start in Second Chronicles 29. And we're going to talk... So Hezekiah has become king. He's become the king of Judah. And in verse 2, it says that, um, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. Well, we understand his father was not David. His father was king. Uh, uh, oh, I forgot who his father was all of a sudden. Oh, yes, Ahaz. Uh, so his father was King Ahaz, but his father did not do what was right in the Lord. Right, right. So the 
standard for King Hezekiah was King David because he couldn't use the standard of his father because his father did not use the standard of the Lord. His father did what was right in his own eyes. So King Hezekiah had to break what his father had done over him and the generations and come to bring back the order of the Lord. And that's really critical because when we think about it in, in, in his unfaithfulness, his father's unfaithfulness, he actually closed the doors of the temple. He closed the doors of the house of the Lord. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal because we've been in COVID and doors have been closed. But in that time, that was a huge deal. Because the temple he closed was the temple that Solomon built so that the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Presence of the Lord could be housed in there, that it would no longer travel with the Israelites, that it was going to be housed in here. And that's where worship was going to be um, occur. And that's where the priest would keep the worship going 24 hours a day. It was a big deal when the people of God no longer had their temple. The priests no longer had their official function that God had given them is a big deal. And when, and I want to read the scripture where well, you don't have to turn there. It's out of first Kings. But when Solomon built the temple and everything was right and the Ark of the Covenant was brought in, this is what happened. It says, first Kings eight, it says, now it happened that when the priest had come out of the holy place, the cloud filled the Lord's house. The presence. So the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory and the brilliance of the Lord had filled the house. And that glory and brilliance did not leave the house. And Ahaz closed off what God had done so the people of God could not access. That, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. And King Hezekiah had to go back and restore the temple. He had to restore worship unto the Lord and its proper function. Verse 3 says, and in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He opened the door to the house of the Lord. And right now, this door season is very critical for us. Doors are important. The Lord has been talking to me about doors because we understand that when the doors to the Lord is closed, it means the doors to the enemy is open. When we close off the Lord and say, you know, Lord, in this area of our life, we don't want your presence to infiltrate it. Then what we do is we open up ourselves to the enemy because it's, there's no middle ground. We're either for the Lord and he's working in our life or we're for the enemy. And there may be areas in our life where we have not allowed the Lord to come in and it's allowed the enemy to have access to us. So being able to open ourselves up to the fullness that God has for us in the areas that, that we have not uh, 
fully extended ourselves to him, when we open those up to him, it begins to shut the doors of the enemy. And we need the doors of the enemy shut. We need them shut. So it was critical for Hezekiah to bring correction to what his father had done against the Lord. It was critical for that. Not only did he do that, once he got all of that done, he got the, the, uh, the worship restored. He got everybody back in their rightful position. He reinstated Passover. And this is, this is really interesting. This is going to be Second Chronicles 30. And we're going to, like I said, we're going through this kind of fast. But I, I want us to grab a hold of what God has for us today. So verse 1, it says, And Hezekiah sent to all Israel... Now, there's a divided kingdom still. There's Israel and there's Judah. So he sent to all of Israel and Judah and wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord. Come at Jerusalem to keep Passover to the Lord of Israel. And it's interesting because when you go to verse 9, it says... It says, for if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who led them captive. And so that they may come back to this land for the Lord, your God is gracious and merciful, and he will not turn his face from you. If you return to him, the Lord will never return, turn his face from you. If you return to him. But they, it says the runners go from city to city. They pass it along, but it says Ephraim, Manasseh, and as far as Zebulon, but it says, but they laughed at them and mocked them. So they're, they're trying to pull all of God's people together for Passover. Let's have Passover together. But they laugh and mock at them. But it does say that many gathered, many gathered. So just because they all weren't there doesn't mean God wasn't there. You know, sometimes we think everybody has to be doing the same thing in order for God to respond to us. But all he needs is a few to turn, a remnant to turn. That's right. And God is there. God is there. And even in this, this thing of Passover that he is doing, um, uh, verse 17, let me go to verse 17. I'm excited. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself here because God has so much for us. And I, I, I just I cannot wait. Uh, verse 17, it says, uh, let me see if I can find it in my book. Now, this is the mercy of God. It says, for there were many in the assembly who had come for the Passover who had not sanctified themselves. Therefore, the Levites had charged of the slaughter of Passover lambs for everyone who was not clean to sanctify them to the Lord for a multitude of the people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not cleansed themselves yet. They ate the Passover contrary to what is written. That's a big deal. But listen to this, but Hezekiah prayed for them saying, may the good Lord provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek the Lord, the Lord God of his fathers, though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary 
And the Lord listened to Hezekiah. And he healed the people. Hallelujah, yes. He healed the people. The leader, King Hezekiah, cried out to the Lord on those who made a mistake, on those who had not sanctified themselves according to what was required. And he interceded in that moment. And the Lord's mercy healed them. The Lord's mercy healed them. And what I want us to just grab from this is there's a lot of things going on within the body of Christ. We can talk about the world stuff later, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the body of Christ. But God is gracious and he's merciful. And it doesn't mean there isn't repentance that needs to come with it. But what it means is that as we step in and intercede for one another, God's mercy and his grace and his healing touch can shift the heart of those who are struggling. And and we just have to remember, it's easy to be critical of one another because they may not be where we are, or they may be doing something that we see is not according to the word of the Lord, but our intercession and our compassion and our tenderness and our love for them will transform a heart and intercede and protect them in this season of their journey. I always say that you can only repent up to the revelation that you have. You know, you can read the word and, and, and say, you know, you're not supposed to do this and do it anyhow. Because it has to get into your heart. Now, you can repent from it and do it again and do it again. But we understand that repentance requires change. It's not just, I'm sorry, it requires change. So you can repent, you can say, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But then God gets a hold of you and you have that revelation and then you don't do it because it's different. You know, how many of you have kids, grandkids, et cetera, and you're like, don't be doing that. Okay, I won't. And then they do it anyhow. (laughs) And then at some point they have the revelation that they shouldn't do that anymore, and then they don't do it. You know, so it, it takes that revelation. We've got to have revelation, and we're all on a journey of our own hearts and our own lives, and we're all in journey together, at least in the body life of the gathering. And, but it, it, we're not all in the same place. It just even as Matt shared earlier, you know, where he was 10 years ago wasn't where you were or where you were. We're all in a journey of a different place and us journeying together in this compassion and intercession for one another. Okay, I'm going to stop there. We just have to remember. We have to remember. We have to remember um, that at once we were lost and then God found us. And then we were convicted and then we had a revelation and then we were transformed you know so uh, Hezekiah goes on and destroys all the altars he tears down everything in town that has set itself up his father set up to pagan gods he tears it all down and this is what the Lord says about him and this is uh, 31 verse 20 and it says Second Chronicles, it says, thus Hezekiah did throughout all of Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. 
And in every work he began in the service of the house of the Lord, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all of his heart. So everything he did unto the Lord, he did it with all of his heart. But not only that, the Lord said, because you've done this with all of your heart, Hezekiah prospered. And we know if he prospered, then all of Judah prospered. Everyone prospered. Because when one of us has a breakthrough, we all break through together. So Hezekiah made the correction. He turned all the people back to the Lord. He tore down all the altars. He, He rebuilt the temple. He did everything. And he prospered. God said, here's your reward. You will prosper because that's what my word says. If you go back to Deuteronomy, if you go back and read Deuteronomy 28, there's the benefits for obedience and then the curse of disobedience. He prospered because that's what the word of the Lord says. Amen. Amen. So he made the correction to turn the heads of the people back into the Lord. Then he had to contend. And there's a whole section I'm not going to talk about, and I may go back and, and talk about later, but he, he had to contend. Uh, in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, and I'm just going to give you a little summary, the king of Assyria overthrew Israel. Remember, there was a divided kingdom. So he overthrew Samaria. And not only did he overthrow it, is he made all of the people of God leave it. And the Assyrians came in and began to occupy it. And King Hezekiah knew that they were coming after them next. Yeah, that they were coming after Judah, that, you know, the king of Assyria was not going to stop at just taking part of the kingdom of God. He wanted it all. And so King Hezekiah decides he is going to bargain with the king of Assyria. Now, how many know that you cannot bargain with the enemy? You cannot bargain with it, but he does. Because who did he learn it from? He learned it from his father. His father did the very same thing. So not only does he bargain with the enemy, they agree on a bounty that King Hezekiah is going to pay so they won't be invaded. And you know what the bounty was? The treasury of the Lord. And not only did he give him the treasury of the Lord, out of the out of the out of the temple but he ripped off the gold laid frames on the doors he tore off the gold as part of the bounty now you know we think about that in material you know especially where we are in our culture 2020 we think about that in just material well it was just silver it was just gold no it was god's What he gave to the enemy was not his to give. God didn't say, oh, empty my treasury and pay him off because that is the way that we're going to win. No, because, and I want you to hear this, because the king of Assyria was not after their money. He was after their souls. He wanted the same thing to happen to Judah, to the people of God. That happened to Samaria, to, to Israel. Right. He wanted the same thing to happen. He was after their souls. He wanted to own them. He wanted to oppress them. He wanted to disperse them. And what he was saying, I want you to give up your inheritance. 
I want you to give up your identity. I want you to give up the territory that the Lord has given you because I want what is God's. He was not just an enemy of King Hezekiah. He was an enemy against God. He was an enemy against God. So when we think of things, well, oh, well, the enemy can just take this. If you give him an inch, he will take a mile. Yes, that's right. If we give him one crack in the door, right. he will knock the door down. That's right. He will knock the door down. So King Hezekiah, that bounty that he paid, all it did was give the enemy confidence to let the enemy know that he's willing to do anything to keep me off his back. And so uh, the king of Assyria surrounded Judah and took all the fortified cities except for Judah. He positioned himself to overrun it. And this is where it gets fun. Now, see, this is where God is so good. And King Hezekiah may have misstepped and given away the treasury, but God does not live, a, live from our past. Right. He lives from our future. God looks at us for our destiny, not what we did, but where he's going to take us. So <laughs> we can always get the treasury back. You know, God's not bigger than his own treasury, right? But, but this is the fun part. And this is what I love is because God loves to love us. He loves to bring us back to where we want to be because he is not going to let the enemy have our soul he is not going to let the enemy steal our inheritance. He is not going to let the enemy take our territory because God is God. Because God is God. And he is so good at his job, right? He is so, <laughs> he is so good at his job. So, okay, let, let's go back here for a minute. Let's see if we can figure out where we are now that I've gotten all excited. Second Chronicles 32. Okay, so this is what is so cool, because uh, verse 1 says, after these deeds and faithfulness, uh, 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 Sankarib, the king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. So he comes to enter Judah. He encamps, does this for whole fortified city. And once he gets there, Hezekiah says, wait a minute, we are not going to let that happen. So verse four, Hezekiah says, we're going to block up the stream so they don't get any water. So many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and brooks that ran through the land saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find water? And this is Hezekiah. And he strengthened himself built up all the wall that was broken, raised up the towers and built up another wall outside. Oh, that, I'm sorry, that wasn't the scripture I wanted to read. I want to skip down to verse 7. It says, in King Hezekiah says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Now, how many times have we heard that through scripture? Right. Joshua, I mean, you know, the Lord says that over and over and over. He says, Do not be dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitudes that are his. For there are more that with us than with him. That's right. Yeah. With him is an arm of flesh. Yeah. But with us is the Lord our God. Yeah. Amen. And 
to fight our, uh, it, it, to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. And then this whole, this whole um, onslaught of lies comes from the king of Assyria. He sends his two commanders to the two head guys from the king of Hezekiah. And they began to taunt. You know what lying spirits do? They taunt. They ask you, is that really true? So he, they begin to taunt the uh, commanders of Hezekiah. And they say, you know, is the Lord really going to help you? Are you going to believe King Hezekiah? Can you even trust him? So they, they sow doubt. How many have had doubt sown? How many have had lies? Is God really going to help you out in this time? How many people, even people around you going, I can't believe you believe in God. You know, I mean, they are sowing lies. They are stirring up spirits of fear. Because the king of Syria even comes to them and says, basically, you will not eat. You will not have wine to drink. You will have not have anywhere to live unless you follow me. And he ends it. And they begin to shout all of this where the watchmen of King Hezekiah can hear. So they're trying to not only talk to the two guys, Elkahim and uh, uh, Shevna, but he, they're also trying to get all of the watchmen to discount King Hezekiah to look at their leader and say, we don't believe that you've heard from God and that God is going to rescue us. That's what they're trying to get them to say that they're trying to get the people to turn from their leader and trust the enemy for their provision instead of God. That's terrible. But it happens all the time. Watch the media. Because that's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. So anyhow, let's turn to Isaiah 36 real quick. There's one place in here I really want to um, point out to you. Because this this happened in the garden. This happened, you'll see it all through scripture. This happens to us. It says in verse 10, in Isaiah 36, verse 10, and this is um, the king of Assyria. He says, have I now come up without the Lord against Israel? I mean, against this land to destroy it. The, listen to him. He says, the Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Now, Hezekiah just restored worship. He restored Passover. The Lord was pleased with him, and they prospered. And at one point, and I didn't read that scripture, it says, and the hand of the Lord was on King Hezekiah. So before the king of Assyria came against them, this is where King Hezekiah was with the Lord. His hand was on him. They were prospering. And when the enemy came up, he said, the Lord sent me to destroy you. Now that is an exact opposition to what the Lord has done in Judah. 
And I want us to think about this for ourselves because here we are in this place with the Lord and then we have the enemy saying, well, the Lord said, wants me to tell you you're not doing enough. The Lord wants me to tell you that remember your past like Hezekiah, when you gave all the, the gold off the doors to the uh, enemy, that means God's not with you anymore. The enemy is telling Judah that God has sent me to destroy you. When God has told them the opposite, who do we believe? What does the word of God say to us? That's a lying spirit right there. Yeah. That is a false prophetic word. Right. Trying to incite doubt and fear in what the Lord is doing in the body of Christ. Right. What the Lord is doing in, in our lives. If he can get one of us doubting, then he gets the next one doubting because they're saying that they're doubting and then this one's doubting and it becomes like a plague within the body. We have to remember, what does the word say? What does the Lord say? What has he said to us? What is he declaring over us? We are canceling all false prophecies against the body of Christ, all false prophecies against America. We do not tolerate the lying spirits, the false prophets coming against our body, against our country. And some of that comes within the body. So discern, beware, understand, because Hezekiah would not bow down to the king of Assyria. He would not bow down to him. The, his two men, uh, Elkim and uh, Shebna, went to Hezekiah and said, this is what's going on. And then they go to Isaiah. And Isaiah says, hang on a second. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. And that's what we have to remember. Uh, uh, Isaiah says, uh, thir verse 37, verse 1, it says, and so it was when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth. I mean, they are just down on the floor, went to the house of the Lord. They are just crying out. They're interceding. And verse six, and Isaiah says to them, thus you shall say to your master, he's telling his guys, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid of the words which is what Hezekiah told them earlier. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. When we hear that, they are blaspheming the Lord. Surely I will send a spirit upon him. He shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own hand. That's what Isaiah says. And then the king of Assyria sends a letter to, Hez to uh, uh, Hezekiah. And you know what Hezekiah does? He takes the letter and he lays it before the Lord. And he prays over it. And he says, and I'm just going to read this to you. This is out of 2 Kings, but 2 Kings 19. He spreads it out before the Lord and he prays. O God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. Yes. That right there breaks the stronghold of the enemy. Yeah. 
Because Hezekiah didn't say, the king of Assyria said this to me. You see the letter. He said, you are God. You alone are God. All the kingdoms of the earth, uh, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. He says, incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God. You alone are God. You alone are God. There is no bounty to pay. There's only God. There's only God. We are not paying a bounty to the enemy. And you're like, we don't really do that these days. We do. We do it over and over. We are not paying a bounty to the enemy. We are standing and saying, you are God. You're the one who's going to take back our country for us because we are your people and you have promised to do that. We have been faithful. We have made correction. We have repented. We have come together. We have unified. We are one. So God, you do what your word says because you are God alone. We will follow you because you're going to do what you have promised, what you have made a path for, what you have made a plan for. So we are going to follow you. Amen. 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 I mean, God, yes. Uh, Isaiah 37, verse 36, it says, Then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses, all dead, all dead. What did Hezekiah do? He prayed. He said, here's their threat. You're God. You do what you do. And that's what I trust. Here's the threat of the enemy. God, you breathe on it. One breath, one breath, an angel, the angel. So the king of Assyria left. He got home. He's worshiping his pagan gods and his two sons killing. That's one way to end, right? But it fulfilled the word that the Lord gave Isaiah that he would hear a rumor, he would go back home, and he would die. He would die. So we have been in that season of correction. We have been in that season of calling out to God. We have been in that season of contending for what is ours. We are contending for what is ours. And we are conquering and defeating the enemy. And if you don't see it, ask the Lord, show me. Because it's happening every day where the enemy is being crushed by the Lord. He's being crushed by the people of God. Because who do we have in front of us? The God goes before us. He comes behind us. We're surrounded by the wall of fire of the Lord. So it's really hard for the enemy to have any long-term victory over us because the fire of the Lord is for us, in us, and through us, right? Right. 
the Lord supernaturally defeated Hezekiah's enemy. And Hezekiah prospered. Now, was he a perfect king? No. But the word says he was a great king. He was a great king. Amen. He was a great king. Because he turned the heads of the people back to the Lord. And he restored the heart of God in the land of the living. And he trusted God to defeat the enemy in the way that God felt was best. I trust God to defeat our enemy. The enemy that we're up against, and there is an enemy out there. The lying, the cheating, the deceiving spirits. The spirits of fear that are trying to get us to lean in to an enemy provision instead of leaning in to what God has for us. So like Hezekiah, we take, in fact, if you'll stand, we're, gonna, we're just going to take what the enemy has written against us, what he's doing against us corporately, what he's doing against you personally, and we're going to lay it before the Lord, and we're going to pray the prayer of King Hezekiah that says, oh God, you are God. So the enemy has spread out his assignment against us. But God, we cancel it because you are the God of Israel. You are the one who dwells in heaven. You are God alone of all kingdoms, heaven and earth. So God, we just declare now that our lives are in your hands. The enemy's plan has been seen by you. And we pray, oh God, save us from his harm, defeat him in your sovereignty, and just show us, Lord, what we are to do. Like King Hezekiah, he worshiped. So, Lord, we worship you. We know that you are God alone. We know that we dwell in the presence of the Most High God that your spirit lives within us. And we just command all the lying and cheating and, and uh, doubting spirits, the spirits of fear to leave us now in the name of Jesus. And we just receive a fresh filling of your spirit, the river of the living God that flows in us. And God, we just thank you that you're going to open up our eyes to discern and to know how to stand in courage Stand in a boldness and stand in peace because you are God. And we just bless and honor you, Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.